Hello and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Tallon. This is the original Thinking and Creative Innovation podcast. Cheers for checking in, guys. Nice to have you all back. Nice to have new listeners on board who are coming all the time. So thanks for checking in if you are new. Spread the word. Free show every week. Creative inspiration advice from wonderful people who give me their time. The weather this week is space metals. Yeah, we'll get onto that in a little bit. A little bit of a catastrophe on a photo shoot last week, but we'll we'll talk about that shortly. Uh, just a few words. I wanted to pass on my utmost sorrow and thoughts and send out my love for people involved in the um, atrocity in Manchester last night. As I'm as I'm recording this, finding out that uh, you know there's there's at least 22 people have died in a terrorist attack at the Manchester Arena. Uh, it's a city that was very kind to me, that has a strong place in my heart. Many friends still there and family, and thankfully I think everyone's all right that I know. But it just it doesn't make it any better, does it? It's absolutely heartbreaking to see this going on in the world. It doesn't matter where it is. So just a little few thoughts for those guys. Hope everyone's okay. Um, so we've got Karen McLeod coming up. We've got a special episode on character development. Uh, we'll talk about that shortly. Karen's an author and uh, from a performance arts background, and she has a fantastic alter ego called Barbara Brownskirt. So we're going to get under the skin of that, and we're going to talk about the wider picture of character development and what makes for a strong character. Get on to all that stuff, but first I've got to thank my lovely sponsors. Make this show free for you guys every week by helping support. So if I've got to travel to see someone, I've got a little bit of money to do that. They get behind marketing and all that kind of stuff. They're really, really awesome and they look after the show. Illustration Web, founding sponsors, illustrationweb.com, my agency, representing over 200 artists. They've got all sorts of craziness going on. Um, Fashion illustration, live art. Uh, live in-store kind of stuff. We've got animation, motion graphics, GIFs. We've got all the good stuff, so go and check them out. Illustrationweb.com. Represent Andy Council, who was on the show last week. I hope you enjoyed that one, so thanks to Andy. Uh, thanks also to recent guests, Sandra Diekman, Lucy Rogers, uh, Stephen Bliss. Man, that's a lineup, isn't it? Get on that stuff. If you missed it all, David Cohen talking about roots into film. Oh, God, so good. So, yeah, coming up this week. Karen McLeod. It's a belter. We've got Barbara Brownskirt giving us a live reading. We'll get on to all that. Heartinternet.co.uk. Sorry, I'm rambling today. Uh, my digital tech sponsor. Basically, they get behind all the things that give you a good ranking on the internet. So you need to be found right. Doesn't matter whether you're a photographer, a filmmaker, you're in theatre, you're an illustrator, you need to be represented well on Google. So they help you do that through their websites, through their SEO search engine optimization tools um they have loads of good tips for stuff and they provide us with one every week so i just wanted to flag up this week's guest so karen mcleod right i mentioned this alter ego barbara brownskirt she's got a fantastic profile and she uses her twitter account to just amazing effect so go and have a look at that be in the show notes the link you can go and find it she's fantastic um she's going to tell us all about the creation of that character but the way she represents and presents her uh, photography, the um, the illustrations she works. You know, she's got a, a friend who's an illustrator she tells about who creates the persona for this character. It's just so well developed and presented. So go and take a look look at her Twitter and the level of storytelling and presentation on there. It's a real eye opener and it just really goes to show how you can champion what you do, any of your own characters or alter egos if you're in that world. It's just eye-opening stuff and it's brilliant and it's very, very funny. So that's courtesy of hatsinternet.co.uk. Printed.com, my printer for the show. 
promotional material. Got a whole new range of posters coming up. I've been working on with Laura Hawkins from Little Birds Talk. Um, and Laura Hawkins design. She's absolutely nailed it on the graphic design with my artwork. So go and have a look on the social channels. You can check out my Instagram at Ben underscore Talent, or you can have a look on the at Arrest on the Next Twitter page, and you will find all of that stuff uh, promoting. Great comments from some previous guests. It's going to be the first set of a series, so keep an eye on that. Uh, they're brilliant. Over 90 different products, all sorts of different finishes. Matte gloss, they've got laminating, they've got um, foiling going on. Go and have a look. Great customer service team. They'll help you out if you're not sure, but it's all very easy user interface to get to grips with. Um, Karen came around to my apartment to record the show very kindly, and she brought me a book by Barbara Brownska of her poetry. She's called Judy. You'll get an exclusive reading of that at the end of the show, which is uh, something that makes me smile. And if you listen to that, I was silently falling apart with laughter in the background um, when Karen got in character. It's an absolutely incredible experience, and all that's coming up. So thanks to all those sponsors. I'm going to be on with Sandra Diekman, one of my former guests, two-time guests, actually, a WrestleMimics alumni, Talking about self-promotion at the Hartlepool Illustration Festival, which is coming up very soon. That's going to be on Saturday, June the 3rd. We're on at 11.15 till 12.15, and we're going to be sharing insights into how we've built our illustration reputation through self-promotion. It's not easy. It's an ongoing battle, but we're going to share a few little insights and stories on that basis. So if you're in the area, in the northeast, do come along and check that out. That's with the AOI. Uh, called Super Self Promotion. They're helping us get up there, which is awesome. Top class organisation looking after the illustration industry. Check those guys out, theaoi.com. So today's guest, Karen McLeod. Why did I want to get her in and why did I want to talk about character development? Well, it's important. Um, personally, I've been developing The Medium Man, which um delighted to say has been nominated for, well, shortlisted for the World Illustration Awards. Um, it just came from within. It came from an in-joke, a point of perspective where I'd observed all these very kind of mundane moments of behaviour, whether it was myself staying in on an evening, whether it was friends, um, you know, going down Westfield with their missus on the weekend. It's all this kind of very modern man behaviour. And I wanted to develop this character around that and created a series of single-page graphic novels. It's been really well received, um, so thanks for anyone who's shown that a bit of love. But I wanted to go one step further. So I went on a creative writing course just after Christmas. Instead of spending my money on booze this time around from relatives, I actually put it towards going on this short creative writing course. And it was taught by Karen McLeod. And she was absolutely brilliant. Very placid lady, really knew her stuff. Uh, some great writing insights. She's got a fantastic book out there called In Search of the Missing Eyelash. Go and check that out. Um, we'll have that in the show notes as well. But Karen seemed to have a really good handle on what makes for a strong character, how you can get inside the mind of these things. And it doesn't matter whether it's a graphic novel, a children's book, um, acting, comedy. This goes right across the board. I think we're in a golden age for television at the minute, and some of those shows have been built on real strong character development. So we're going to talk about that. Karen's going to take us through the creation and development of her own Orico, Barbara Brownsko. Fascinating story. She sits at the 197 bus stop in Penge and reads out the world's worst poetry, and she'll explain later on why she does that and how this character came about and how she informs it. What are the common flaws when people try to develop a character and what are the strong points? I'm going to get into all that good stuff, so it's a real, real eye-opener and valuable that I'll be listening. Brought to us by Karen for anyone who's interested in creating any kind of character. That can be something from an edit, you know, just a one-off editorial spread, making it more authentic, more believable, right through to a full 
graphic novel. So we will get onto all of that stuff. So thanks again to the sponsors, illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk, printed.com. Um, get us your feedback on the Twitter, at Arrest All Mimics. Want to hear from you. Hit me up privately if you don't want to do it public. Hello at bentallon.com. Um, it's great stuff. Karen McLeod's awesome. Let us know your thoughts. Here we go without further ado. I was... Um in Brighton last week and I found myself early for a show and I went into Starbucks um, and there was a whole fridge full of discount half price sandwiches and the students, I hadn't realised this was a thing, they were all coming in at that point and getting their tea and so I joined them because I thought, well I'm an artist, I, <laughs> I'm quite poor, this is what I should be doing and, it's, and I, just, I felt like I was part of something that I hadn't realised was going mm, on because yeah. obviously we don't live near branded uh, uh, cafes in, in Penge there's not, there's not it's not like Crystal Palace where you might get that kind of thing going on <laughs> it's a real, it's, it is a bit of a subculture in its own right uh, among a certain group of people yeah generally now students I know. I'm gonna, now you told me <laughs> it's become my life's work yeah. it'll become a new poem perhaps yeah. That's the, yeah, that that'd be that'd be good. <laughs> that could be really good actually, yeah. <laughs> Sticker in the bus stop. Yeah. So what what what's so what's your background then, Karen, in terms of like sort of where are you from? Have you got great family? I'm always I intrigued am, with people's roots. Well I am from quite a um my, I grew up in Penge, um, not far from where I live now, and I come from I would say quite a working class background. Um but my mum, I'm going to go far back now. My mum grew up in the Elephant and Castle at, mm. in P. Peabody's estate, which is a place where the sort of like social housing. So um, that was in the Elephant and Castle. So I grew up kind of knowing the Elephant and Castle and visiting my nan and granddad up there. And my, my, anyway, my dad moved to Beckenham. So I'm like a clash between working class penge and I think a little bit of knowing that there's something else sort of alongside it mm-hmm. and I was just so um I yeah grew up in penge um went to school in a, a girls school in Beckenham so I didn't really ever meet any men um still find it a bit of a shock now and again <laughs> no I'm being funny but actually that it does, <laughs> does that does play significance I think of, of having quite a cocooned upbringing mm. and it being a very female dominated mm. household and then my poor father he was just like even the pets were all female it was just and we were very sort of talky talkative oh. lot and and dad was very silent um and then I uh, went on to art college. I really, I found myself loving art, always growing up, being very theatrical, loving school. Um, I was quite sort of, I really enjoyed that aspect of things. Um, I didn't hate school like everyone I know. <laughs> seems It seems to be far cooler to hate school than to like it. Yeah. Um, but that's because it was my place where I could go and be myself, really. Yeah. And at home, I used to come home drained because I'd have spent the whole day performing and making people laugh and being, you know, and, and that kind of aspect. And then I went on to art school and it was the days when they... It was the last year where you could specialise on your foundation of art. And I st- specialised straight away in fine art mm. against my parents' wishes who... Because I was the first person in the family to ever go to uni... Um, 
and that was a big deal for all of us because I was sort of bucking the trend of just going to work at 16 mm. um, and they all had very negative apart from my parents the whole family seemed to have negative views on students um, so I didn't care, you know, really care about what they were thinking at that point but um, so I went to Ravensbourne which you might have heard of yeah. which is no longer in Chislehurst near my studio now in Woolwich Oh, right, yeah, yeah, it yeah. moved, it moved, yeah. So I did fine art there, where I found I had a... I, fa- I discovered that there was a thing such as performance art and naturally was just started using film and video. And then when it came to choosing where I wanted to do my degree, um, there wasn't that much choice of anywhere that did perform- specialised with performance and what's time-based arts, you know, yeah. with film and video and um, performance. And Cardiff did. So I went to Wales and um, studied there for three years, which was very wild um, in the 90s. And um, and then got my degree and left. And it was very confusing time um, because I'd been a cocoon of art college where mm. I'd really thrived and succeeded and discovered loads and then had to come and live back at home, mm. which is like most, well, most students don't. You know, I got a government grant to go and study at art college. I feel like I'm the luckiest girl. Mm. <laughs> that generation, we were all really lucky. We could not even think twice much about leaving our social environment and go and studying if, if we wanted to. So um, that's that's where I went to. And then I, got, and I tried to get work, just couldn't get any work. And I think work has really dominated my sense of being an artist and writer, or well, it does, doesn't it? You have to earn a living. Mm. But I couldn't find a way in. I was performing, but I was sort of lost, and then I just just started cleaning and doing all sorts of jobs. Um, always wanting to write, though. I, I always saw it as a project. Even if I was a cleaner, it was like, well, I can write about this. Mm. You know? um, and I sold balloons at art college, helium balloons, which is, I still haven't written about, which I want to soon. Wow. Um, being dumped, you know, in the middle of Merthyr Tydville for, the, for a Saturday with people throwing stones at my balloons. Um, anyway, that's just <laughs> sidetracking. But, um, yeah, so I then um, was performing and not earning any money. But I was performing at the ICA still, but didn't have... Just, just didn't mm. get going. I just didn't know how to do the artist thing, you know. But uh, would I be right in saying that performance art is one of the more extreme ends of, of much like fine art from more my perspective of doing things, yeah. where it's so ambiguous and so it's so gelatinous. That words just jumped right out of the subconscious. Yeah. But <laughs> in like the sense it. that it, it's hard to know. You, you don't have a focal point. At least I know when I was starting as an illustrator, I could I could start and knock on the door. I could start with editorial. But everyone knew that was an it that you know there were more chances because it was such a fast turnaround, yeah. etc. But performance art and fine art strike me as two areas where it's bloody hard to know where to go. That's right. Well, there, there isn't. You just sort of you fumble about, and I think that's it. And yeah, I mean, I that's why I was sort of my parents tried to convince me to do graphic design because mm. they thought, well, you're, they kept saying, but what are you going to do? And I was like, well, I'll just do some... You know, I, I had faith that something would appear and didn't really have a plan if it mm. didn't, which it didn't, because um, it was all... Yeah, as you say, there was no road, there was no path laid out, there was no one really, apart from the ICA in London, 
that you could think, oh, well, so I, but anyway, I mean, in, in my, after art college, I was far more also consumed with discovering sort of my sexuality, and so I saved up when I moved to Australia, and I thought, well, that, that would solve something. <laughs> Little mm. did I know, I would just party on, mm. and carry on partying, um, which I'm quite good at, or used to be, <laughs> um, <laughs> and just writing about it, thinking that soon the the it would I would discover what it was. Mm. Yeah, like most people, you're just a bit. But I kind of knew that creativity was always going to be the core. Yeah. Just didn't know quite how I was going to make my life about it. Mm. Um, and and successfully about it. So, um, and then I came back, and I was just came back home, and I just had I just wanted to get away. I had re- very very itchy feet, so Mum suggested I apply to become an air hostess, which I did. Oh wow! And I became a long air hostess for British Airways. Wow! And had a a, a ball. But also, I had a sort of, I think, I've always been very interested in identity and the self, and what I understand is the multiple selves, and I feel I've explored quite that quite a lot, in the sense that I think I split from myself at a certain point during that job, mm. and then it became my job to get, it, get myself back, um, or to get who I felt I, I, I was back. And that's when I started writing seriously um, and stopped partying um, and spent all the time in my hotel rooms down route writing. Mm. And, and I knew I had an idea, a really strong, and I, I had a first line of a novel and I just knew the first line was good. And at the time it was Tony Blair was <laughs> in his... Um, Prime Minister, and he said, you've got to hit the ground running. I think that was one of his comments about his time as Prime Minister. Mm. And that stuck with me about that's what a novel had to do. So um, that's what, so then I just, I did everything I could to sort of get into that world. And I went on an Arvon course, which I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're mm-hmm. residential courses um, in, based in houses that are left by authors and I went and stayed in the house in Yorkshire that's left by Ted Hughes um, and I had to halfway through it I was supposed to be flying somewhere with British Airways and the thing is if you work for an airline your your life isn't your own they dictate mm. where you go you can very rarely get leave when you want it um, right. okay. uh, things like this so I had to walk um, into the middle of a field surrounded by cows my mobile where I could get one bar on my phone to phone <laughs> British Airways and pretend I was in South London and um, I saw all these cows and they were giant cows you know I'm a, I'm a Londoner I don't see cows often and they were like monsters and I just said to them all because I, I said look I knew they, they're all female right aren't they I said look ladies please do not moo when I'm on phoning sick to work because <laughs> 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 They will know then that I'm not at home poorly in bed. <laughs> and they were d- deathly quiet, just staring, you know, as cows do. Oh, wow. And I did, cause I had to stand in this particular spot where they all were because it was the yeah. only place where I got the... And so I phoned in sick, and in fact that was worth doing because uh, um, 
that's where I met Ali Smith, the writer, and she liked my first chapter, which was all I'd written at that point, and she showed it to an agent when we came back, mm-hmm. and I got an agent, and she's still my agent today, but it was at that point where, you know, I just knew that I could I could do it. Mm. I didn't know, but, I, you know, you had the sort of blind faith of a someone that you... <laughs> You don't know what you can do, but you just go for it, you know, and that's... that. Was oh, you don't know what else to do, in a sense. I, I don't... Yeah. I, it's, on, it's the only thing I've ever truly believed mm. in, in terms of a path, you know, a focal point in my life, if I'm mm. honest. It's, this is something I've always felt inherent to me, and any artist who truly believes in what they do, it's almost... Yeah. You know, what else would I do well, in, exactly. a, in the best possible way? That's yeah. right, that's right. So, yeah, that was it. So I wrote the book... Within nine months, it's very much a gestational, uh, you know, like, apparently a lot of female writers write quite, can do it in terms of nine months. I don't know how much (laughs) that is true. We'd have to probably Google that. Um, And then the book came out and then that was history. And that, and it got bought. I mean, that that was what is incredible. Yeah. So. And which one was your debut? The Miss that Walsh. was eyelash was my debut. Uh, Barbara, well, Barbara Brown skirt. Years ago, when I was pub- uh, first published with the novel, I had to come up with what I thought was a creative-sounding email address. Now I know I've been emailing you from my generic one, but I came up with the word brown skirt. I thought that will stick in people's minds if they see an email from that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this was years before I even had thought of Barbara. Um, and then I used to run a nightclub with my friend, well, a performance art night with my friend Jane, um, who does a lot of the artwork for, for Barbara. And she's a painter. Um, and we used to do, in reaction to the lesbian scene, which was very miserable and very serious, we used to run what we call arty parties, where it would be performance art. Mm-hmm. But it would be about making people laugh, because lesbians, when I was in the 90s, didn't seem to smile a lot. Seem to be quite a butch kind of serious pursuit of sex, um, <laughs> and that wasn't me, you know. That wasn't most of my friends. So we, um, I used to host it and dress up as different characters and all of this. And this was this was the you know the thing that was constant from. But we'd never earn any money from it. We'd never charge people to get in either. Um, and then. We were doing Campbell Arts Festival. They'd asked us to do a night in the crypt um, in Campbell. And I just was really getting frustrated about writing. And I'd got the book out and it was like a couple of years after that. And I couldn't, couldn't seem to come up with anything new. The publisher wanted something quickly and I just couldn't come up with the goods. I was just getting really, really cross with myself and the world. And... I thought about Camberwell and I thought about the 90s and how when Margaret Thatcher came in there was lots of people who were put out of the Maudsley um, into care in the community and how I used to visit my friend Sue in her squat and see the people out on the streets that were you know, mentally unwell or having crises or whatever and there's one particular man who spent his evenings washing the pavements with a scrubbing brush mm. just to try and make everything clean, which is the saddest thing ever. Yeah. But he was—he seemed very happy. He was, you know, whistling and stuff. Um, and so 
I thought, all oh, right, I'm going to be, and this was wrong, but I thought I'm going to be a sort of an escaped person. And my mum had just been in hospital and she brought home her hospital gown. So anyway, I dressed up as this person who, who thought they were Virginia Woolf and um, was just kept barking. And the audience just didn't know what was going on. And I mean, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I knew there was a germ in it. And uh, after that, I just felt really bad. I just thought, no, that, this isn't good, what you've just done. That's naughty. Um, but then I just started thinking, and through annoyance and frustration, I thought about, well, when I was been on a, the writing retreat where I met Ali Smith, there's another author called Toby Litt who had suggested we write the worst piece of fiction we could possibly write. It was the worst piece of dialogue. And I couldn't do it. I just didn't understand what they meant. And I heard from other people what they meant. Because um, I'm quite a literal person. I don't get the nuances sometimes. And <laughs> what people are trying to say. And then I just thought, and it, the, all these different ideas of, of being sitting, at, if you've attended many performance art evenings, no. or open poetry mic nights. Yeah. Uh, but also this idea of someone who's rubbish having great confidence is very true. I do think mm. um, the people that you meet that really blow their own trumpets are often the people that haven't got the most talent. I'm sure it's not true for everybody, but it does seem to be true. Um, and the and the poem poets who won't get off the stage are often the ones who have reams and reams of material who've perhaps never edited it, edited yeah. it just won't get off you know and then as so I just thought oh this is what I want to do this is what I want to experiment with the audience make them feel that they are completely trapped but with someone who just has all this confidence mm -hmm. um I thought I wonder how that would work so I sort of took the Virginia Woolf idea and uh, also there was the rise of the sort of poetry slams and all these sort of people doing weird voices, like poetry voices on stage that are sort of like this Kate Tempest-esque voice, which was also really annoying. Um, and just seemed to me just, I don't know, anyway, it all came together and I started performing. And then I thought about the brown skirt and I thought, well, she's got to wear, I'm going to use that email address that's been sat there for years. Mm. Um going to get her a brown skirt and I'm going to dress her like all those people you see in Penge that, that you don't really know what they're doing or what but they've got little plimsolls on and they've got anoraks and they look like they've got purpose but you don't really know where where they're going to or who they yeah. live with or if they you know what is that's really what I was thinking about who are these people and you never know and that's what always annoys me that you can't access someone from how mm. they look you know, you don't. You can only have little clues from how they look, but it doesn't really give you the full picture. So um, I just started. I just had a, a poem about Virginia Woolf, and it just went from there. And then I just sort of used all the wrong things. I'm very sort of got quite dark humour in the sense that I, I think as a lesbian, what would be the sort of most sort of d not dark, but wrong or the most thing that's not talked about it would be having a 
a crush on an older woman, mm. you know, uh, perhaps Judy Dench, for instance, um, who is beautiful and absolutely transfixing. So I started developing all these things that never get talked about, that I know happen amongst me or my friends, and we sit and laugh about, and bringing those into poems, and that using the idea of repetition, which is with the uh, Judy poem, which I probably will read out later, that um, if you start repeating a word over and over again, the audience don't know when you're going to stop, and you could be like that all night. <laughs> and that's what I liked about it, that is going back to yeah. the idea of an audience feeling trapped mm. within words. Um, so it was just... but. Barbara really started coming about just as an experimentation live on stage and then very quickly um, she started, I stopped performing the book because the book was no longer current and needed to be sold, it was on that sort of selling point mm. but I was still being asked to perform so um, I would sometimes perform as myself and then slowly I just said well look what if Barbara can perform at these literary nights um, and we can pretend you've booked me but I've gone, I've got lost or I've got drunk in the bar and Barbara just storms in, yeah. you know, and it was just seemed to make sense that it would be a great... Mm. Also, a, quite, a kind of great anti-literary night night. So, yeah. Well, it's brilliant because... It, I mean, you've had a number a number of themes there that I find really intriguing, and I guess this goes. But this is probably relevant to all forms of character development and creation. But it, it, all these things seem to be in your world, and it was a matter of yeah, the journey and, and hitting on whether it was the points of frustration that you talked about, or um, you know, deciding to get more serious and less part in more writing that type of thing. But so many people, I think, when it comes to that kind of character creation or, or, or pursuing an idea like that they look beyond what they know and what they've learnt when there's so much gold like you talked about the people in Penge there it's, that you're seeing probably on a daily basis not near enough um, but did you always have an understanding of that of the, what, the you know making use of what was immediately around you and in your world mm, I think I think I'm very obsessed with Penge mm. I'm very obsessed with what it means to be living there um, I, I, me, my mum. We always used to walk round the graveyard in Elmer's End um, and look at tombstones and try and work out where, who people were. But for me, Penge is a source of great inspiration. It never stops being that because, and growing up there, it was very much like you didn't need to go anywhere else. Going up to London was going up to town. Yeah, I didn't. We didn't see ourselves as part of London. We, I do now, um, but everyone's there. <laughs> it's almost like, to me, it's a microcosm of yeah. London. Um, also, it's all the people that never get mentioned are living there, from, you know, working class. I, I feel very strongly about all the people in my history being sort of still present with me because I just feel there's a lot within literature and the working class people really aren't mentioned an awful lot. I feel that very strongly, but everyday people who are concerned with everyday things, it's just, just the biggest wealth of inspiration ever. You know, mm -hmm. you look at Victoria Wood and you look at um, 
French and Saunders, you look at their comedy, which is the time I grew up, and they were just they they were subverting the everyday with about everyday people, you know, and that's why everyone loved them and loves them. Um, I think it's all there. I, I think to look anywhere else than where you live is is possibly a unless you are obviously writing. I don't know. I don't know. Sci-fi or something that is other, yeah. is, is directly other, otherworldly or benefits from mystique as opposed to yeah that's right that. but but really because I see Crystal Palace and Penge as a sort of great cu- couple mm. um, and you've got the you know it, it see there's something resistant about Penge that won't be um, not renovated what's the word gentrified gentrified. It's resisting <laughs> gentrification even yeah. after all these years. You know, I'm glad we've got a couple of new pubs, but something just won't overtake it. And it's because of the people that are there. You've got a strong working class centre to it, still council housing, loads of council housing. And I just think, to me, it's been an exploration sitting at that bus stop. I haven't sat there for as long as I make out. Don't tell them that. But, um, <laughs> Just when I do, and we're doing making films or whatnot, and everyone that comes along, it's it's like they want to join in, and there's no art normally in pension that happens. Do you know what I mean? Art sort of yeah. put in that on the wall, or um, it's it's for Crystal Palace, or it's for the theatre. Yeah. You know, it's all it, the things you said there. Yeah, they marry up. They, they resonate greatly with me, being from a small town called Keighley in West Yorkshire, and it's the same mentality. It's not the given thing. You know, you do that in I don't know, uh, Shoreditch or uh, Brick Lane, and they, people they might have a cursory glance. One or two people might stop, but there's something beautiful about that. What the hell are you doing? And standing yeah. and watching and really taking part and thinking, I want to be. You know, kids coming over and, t- and asking questions. Yeah. Is, you know, there's. That's it. The, yeah. the boys at the bus stop, right? And the only thing we had in common is that we all had our hoods up. <laughs> and um, they came and sat next to me. One boy in particular was quite cocky, and I was nervous a bit because obviously I have a fear of the the youth. And uh, <laughs> and I was sitting at my child's desk, which you know, sitting writing on my post-it notes when I was using the bus stop as a, as my office, you know, yeah. ideas and the words. And he was looking over my shoulder, and as he was doing it, I was feeling a bit afraid that what he was going to do, steal my pen. I don't know what was he going to do. Um, <laughs> so I just wrote the word vagina, right, <laughs> and then stuck it up. <laughs> oh, and, wow. and he just went. <laughs> <laughs> and then he moved away and luckily the photographer was there and he was like what's she doing man and she's like she, she said oh it's art it's art and he was like oh it's funny art isn't it that's like, can brilliant I, can i be in your photo <laughs> they want to be in the photo that's fantastic yeah. and, and also there was a great title in there Feel free to reject it or use Ooh. it. But Barbara Brown's skirt of fear of the youth. That's got yeah. that, that, there's, there's something in that, surely. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> no, definitely, because you can't really. It's one of those awful things you can't admit as well. Yeah, you could get then you could purposely go and pick the roughest areas and yeah. like, make sure you've got a sort of an entourage within reach. You know, within. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, like wearing Adidas. Yeah, like, <laughs> that'd be amazing. Oh god, I could go on forever. That's brilliant. <laughs> Oh, God. But one thing I really admire is, is the presentation. 
with Barbara Brown's skirt in terms of like the way you've used your social media channels and the photography. And so, there was one shot in particular that absolutely skittled me this morning when I saw it, and it was um, through. I think it's a hearse through oh, the window. Yes. What an amazing photograph that is, uh, on, on an artistic level, but also the character. I was howling. I was sending that to a friend who was in Cape Town on, on you know, <laughs> trip of a lifetime, and I'm sending him the stuff going, you've got to get on this. I was sending the Vice article. And oh, that's just, great. It's just, it feels like you've got a real um, understanding and, and, and a real respect of the way that you do present. You know, yeah. None of this stuff's lazy you know, photographs. or, um, no. or it, it seems very well thought out. Was that something important uh, to you to do that? Well, I, I feel it's coming from the, the art college days. It's very important that I use photography still. Um, but I use, use a um, performance art photographer called Holly Revel, who photographs most of the today's like amazing stars. And she took that photo, I must say. We hadn't, we just had spent a day around, going around Penge. She knows Barbara. She's seen Barbara before perform. Um, and yeah, to me, I gave her free reign as to sort of how to take those pictures, and that yeah. was a as in most things, most artistic projects. Sometimes there's a happy accident that yeah. you know where you think, oh right, okay. And I didn't even know she'd done it. I didn't see the hearse right in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just happenstance that that, that was. Oh, yeah. So it'd be even better, but yeah. We were just. I said I like the red shutter take me a picture of the, against the red shutter and she was across the road and that's it because she's there's so much traffic going down Penge High Street I thought she'd be waiting yeah. to make, let the cars not be there but of course the hearse and if, and she understands Barbara's sort of, it's having people around you that get Barbara who work like my friend Jane who does the, um, the paintings and she's we're best friends, and but she just knows how to. Wow! Um, yeah. She she knows how to draw Barbara, and um, she used to do all these things for free just for me. She just loves it. Mm. Um, and luckily, it's that mix of having mates. I think that want to join in, mm. and. Um, I haven't really consciously sat down and done most of this. It's all just yeah happened. Yeah, I know that sounds weird, but no, not, not um, at all. I've got a good team. My girlfriend does all, a lot of my social media. Yeah, um, because she understands Twitter far better than I do. Mm. But we go out and we go around Penge, and we had a day out in Penge, a day out um, last Saturday where we needed to make more shots for the show. Um, and I said to Minnie, my, that's my girlfriend, I said, oh, this is so exciting to be out in the place we live, but seeing different things that we would never normally see because we're using a camera. Mm. Whereas, and I'm, you know, and out and about, and I'm performing, but looking really intensely at where I am, and she is as well, and the people interacting and laughing or looking confused. And there's a great shot we got with a couple of people who it was like 9am and they were still partying from the night before and that was like this is the Penge people you know mm. we're all the Penge people um, and then I was walking I was stood outside where there's a little precinct for Iceland and Wilco's and I was saying to Minnie go along 
to the end of the pavement and take a really big distance shot. And as I stood there, this woman came along in her yoga gear and went, Morning, Barbara! <laughs> I was like, oh, hello. For some reason I put a man's voice on when I said hello back. I didn't really um, know what to do because I was suddenly thrown that someone had recognised me as Barbara or Barbara as me in um, Penge just out doing wow. a photo shoot. Yeah. So it's great. So, yes, yeah, social media... Is, is starting to play a massive, massive, well, it has for some time, mm. vice. You know, I just can't imagine how you would do something like this without the internet now. It's almost like, well, it would just be a stage show, wouldn't it? That's it. And a few people yeah. would buy the things and a few badges and perhaps it would just be word of mouth. But a lot of it still is word of mouth, but... Vice, I had no idea even who it was. I mean, I'm very out of mm. modern day coolness in that way of knowing what Vice magazine was. Yeah. When they contacted me, I thought, oh, it's just another online mm. blog. Yeah. Um, not just another online blog, but do you yeah, know what well, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, and it was great, and that really like opened up the idea of, um, okay, we can use social media, we can use beautiful artwork for Barbara um, and just get start getting her recognised and the photography is such I can't tell you su such a joy to use it again mm. in, and, and from it, it links me straight back to my art college days and how exciting photography was yeah. for me that back then yeah so. well what a wonderful thing as well that, that organically you know is it's bringing these things together now in one I find that increasing with my own stuff that the more multimedia things I do and, and, and for, for the love of it actually they all start to meld and mm. that's, a, that's a fantastic thing when that happens. Well it is isn't it because yeah. actually I don't know how well you plan things, I don't plan things at, at all and I think that's why I Yes and no. I mean, some things yes, but the, but the organically the best yeah. stuff always. You know, yeah. the, 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 particularly the more subversive stuff. Like, if you, how could you plan? How could you sit down and create everything we've just talked about there? Yeah. Like, you know, the love of penge and everything. You couldn't. That has to be a no. journey, um, which is I think is a great lesson to anyone listening and, and sort of sat scratching their heads in terms of you know wanting to create a character or where do they take an existing character? I think you know, there's just so many things you hit on there with sexuality, uh, location. Uh, outside per perception, mm. you know, interacting with, you know, the young lads at the bus stop, yeah. right, and then the yoga, you're someone from yoga knowing who Barbara Brown, Brown yeah. is. So has that, in terms of developing her as a character, do you pay a, a great deal of attention to how people see Barbara? From, from Do you try and get inside their minds? Much in the way that in writing, I know we talked about previous, about the importance of switching perspective mm. to try and open up a certain character or a story. Is that something... You know, do you, do you try to get in the minds of those lads, for example, or the or think about how people see Barbara, and does that help inform her at all? No, I think remaining true to the character is a is a is a practice in the way of performing her and knowing what is striking the right notes. Mm. Um, if for me, it's too complex to start thinking about how other people view Barbara. Mm. Um, I can only work in a sense of knowing what's right and what's what feels true to her and authentic. Yeah. Um, and that's through performance of it. Um, 
it's almost like I know her, but I, so I, for what everyone else thinks about her, it really doesn't matter um, in a way. Um, but I think knowing what, in the way in which she, knowing society and knowing what's right, what, what is um, outrageous and what isn't, informs her a lot mm. and that's like a collective um voice of of say for instance um this week I, there's a new poem called time of the month which is all about the being really premenstrual so much that you want to kill someone um and it, i've never been able to put that into words and i think a lot of women find it very difficult to mm. put that into words but I know that's not talked about, so I want to talk about it. I, that Barbara can talk about it. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't be as funny as Barbara doing it because she can be really angry mm. and, and pull it off. Um, so it's about the reaction of, of that. But, but what they think of her and switching viewpoints would, n- would not be useful at all. What I think you hit on there is a, glory, is, a, is a glorious point in the sense that actually all these interesting people that I meet on a day-to-day basis and eccentric characters are very much not aware of people's perceptions and it doesn't change them. Like you mm-hmm. say, they are who they are and that's what makes them so like seductive in an, in an eccentric way. Mm-hmm. And one of my favourite characters of all time, I guess the same for a lot of people, is David Brent. And yeah. the people that I meet in real life that are extremely David Brent, they they will sit and watch and, and howl laughing at the office and don't get just how David Brent they are. And I think that illustrates the point maybe about the, uh, that <coughs> the case with Barbara. But there is there's this weird divide where they don't get, they don't see it. No. Has anyone consciously referenced themselves in Barbara? Has anyone sort of thought, they're taking the piss out of me a little bit there? No. People have said I feel a little bit Barbara about that. Or people say I, I, I had an idea for Barbara, which clearly means that Barbara is in their minds because they, there's a bit of Barbara in them. In everyone. Um, yeah, in, in everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't think people do think of themselves in those terms. I think they think of Barbara, like the, the, that, the element of Barbara of her taking the mickey out of... Um, or it being a Mickey takeout of people who are preposterously... I can't say the word... Prepo- how do you say preposterously? I can't say. That's it, thank you. <laughs> um, confident. Don't, would never know. Mm. Be- and also, they would never necessarily be in the same room as Barbara because I don't perform at open mic nights. Uh, I will perform at queer nights, cabaret nights, mm. all the sort of entertainment nights, but not the serious nights where those people would be. Right, OK, yes, yeah, so the irony's um, always there. Yeah, um, and because it, it's a comedy character, it wouldn't necessarily work. Oh. It, it hasn't always worked at, at uh, certain some uh, poetry nights or slam nights. Um, so no, and I don't. I think those people are quite rare as well. I don't feel they're everywhere as I thought they were. Um, they're just. I would say there's a lot that come in. There's a few that come into the bookshop. <laughs> But they're more more novelists. Mm. They wouldn't know that about themselves, no. and I wouldn't want them to. Well, no, because that that would spoil the you know that yeah. what it's all about. But then you think, should people know? Um, because that maybe they'll spend their lives wanting otherwise. 
mm. and chasing something. But you've, everyone's got to have a purpose, haven't they? Even if it's of course pie in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Um, but I do, going back to what I think, Barbara is so loved by every audience and she, she does transcend. She, does, she goes beyond the lesbian and the gay and um, it's about failure and, it's, and, and it questions, well, it doesn't question, it, it demonstrates someone failing mm. successfully. And I was thinking, on the way here, um, I was thinking about the... The expression "awfully bad," yeah, and no, awfully good, awfully good, not mm. awfully bad. She's awfully good. That's what she is. And most people say, "Oh, it was awfully good," but she's awfully good, you yeah. know. And that's it. And I thought that really sums her up mm-hmm. um, as as an as an act. But I think I think people feel for her, and they feel because there's an element. There's it's got to be a part of everybody that hasn't satisfied something that they would have really loved mm. to have been great at yeah completely god yeah yeah I, that, that was the person on the planet that doesn't feel that to a degree you know yeah oh gosh <laughs> there's always yeah there's always that what what do you, and, and this is more of a general as opposed to just bab but what do you think about uh the importance of understanding what the reader or the audience will never see so in respect of understanding a character and their history and, and how they feel about a certain mm-hmm. issue, for example. I always There was a great example that I saw, and it was on the, the sort of making of all the Lord of the Rings stuff, where on the inside of the armour they did all these beautiful kind of uh, individual encryptions and um, engraving in the armour that no, they, people would never see on the screen. <coughs> it was all to get the actors deep into the mindset and to be in that world. How important do you think that is in developing a character? I think it's really important. Mm. I think... Well, firstly, if you want to develop a character or get any sort of richness or continue to develop a character, it's about digging back into backstory. Um, we've recently done it in, to develop the, sh- the new show where we went, we went back into her whole life. We wrote her whole chron- chrono- what's the word? chronology yeah. um, from before birth up until well, wow. now. And obviously it created a lot of new material as well to think about. But all those things, it's like um, when I did the method writing method writing course at the bookshop, which I hope to do again, because it was fascinating for me and for the people who were trialling it with me. Um, and it was about thinking about objects and small, you know, what, what would be their their thing that they, if there was a house fire that they'd run back in to save... Mm. Um, choose an object that your character would have and write about it and all these various things. What do they eat? You know, <laughs> what? All, so many questions. It's like the more you question a character, yeah. the more I just think you're going to know who they are and be able to write more. Mm. Um, for instance, I think you can write... You know, but how can you write a story if you don't know where they've been? Yeah. You know, because you don't start a story. Most stories don't start on day one of birth. Of a, of a, some do, but you know, that that informs the future. You know, completely. A character is informs their own destiny because of their character, because of everything that's made them up until mm. that point. So you've got to know that stuff, and 
you know, you can't just write, oh, you know, Dave walked down the street. I mean, no one's interested in that. Yeah. Unless Dave. Yeah. Dave's interested in it, probably. But um, I think it's really necessary, and I really like that, having all the, you know, it's almost like having the things on the inside of your coat, yeah. in your pockets, what would be in there. Yeah. And writing all that stuff just informs the actual character. Yeah. Um, and doesn't necessarily end up in the story, I think. And, you know... I always think very much like where I've grown up, what their job is is really important. You know, I can't think about a character unless I know what they're doing in the daytime. Um, and that's just, I mean, some people wouldn't be so obsessed with it, but it's the way that I am obsessed about Penge because I know if someone lives in a certain area, that's going to be kind of who they are as well, mm-hmm. their attitude to their surroundings. Yeah. Their um, their attitude towards pavements, the way they whether they throw litter or not, you know, it's it's all just clues to, to personality. Yeah, um, and it transcends media, doesn't it? Because I mean, I've been for considering I, I grew up loving comic books, and I only now at thirty four have I started to sort of create a graphic novel with this character, which I told you about the medium man. Yeah. It's very much. Um, Sort of, it is the just the modern sort of early thirties man. It's, it's very much laughing at. It doesn't want to put anyone out. It does, you know, reads GQ and imagines himself in the James yeah. Bond watch adverts and all that kind of stuff. But even within each of those panels, it's important to me to understand, let's say, how he would have voted in the, in the referendum for the whole yes. Brexit thing, or you know, how he would behave now during the election. And actually, you know, it's of course he'd be very non-committal. Of course, he'd, he'd be very apathetic about politics. But you're only ever going to see. I, I only. Some some strips are just one panel, one individual panel. Yes. But to me, it's vitally vitally important that there are so many subtle references. And actually, the people who do love that character have started to point out the tiniest details. I'm, I'm so glad you've, you've picked up on that because that's more important than the main event, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I've been reading a lot of Charles Bukowski recently and some of his short stories are just a single paragraph. But this almost autobiographical character, Henry Chinaski, it's, it's just a window. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't start. It doesn't end anywhere. But I'm so intrigued by what's brought into that moment and yes. that's when you know it's a strong that's it because everything is behind it but it's not it's seen but it's understood but in the reading yeah. of it but yeah. it's not written in, into it it's yeah. like it's it's got the depth hasn't it yeah. behind it buoying it all those words up yeah. very much so yeah and I, I think that with short stories especially they are so such windows into world, worlds you're completely right there and that's how they're successful because they everything is thought that yeah. and it's been taken out that has been written yeah. but that has been written and yeah. thought about and then taken out and yeah. stripped back which is so admirable and, and it's fascinating to me yeah. yeah have you got any personal favourites any, in any way it could be any, any medium characters or any characters that surprised you that you've really engaged with or, I mean we'll probably talk about that all day but I mean um, you know um as a, just as a, more as examples of, of well-crafted and... The re- most recent one I can think of that I've been impressed with has is on the the Times shortlist, short story list, um, about a chambermaid in America, and, wow, it's by a an author, and her surname is C.G. I don't even know how to say that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she's a novelist. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, that was amazing. I love working class characters. 
mainly, I think, or people not working class, but that's who I, you know, Crocodile Soup by Julia Darling, who sadly died in her 40s, who was a a Newcastle writer who um, was a poet as well as a novelist. That was the book that changed my life. And um, that was just, it was about a girl who worked in a museum and it was just poetic and beautiful. Mm. Um, And that character, it was like her words just had electric in them and I do I mean I'm trying to think of other characters otherwise it really is comedy programs that I watch an awful lot yeah that um as I said earlier Victoria Wood um and French and Saunders more French and Saunders growing up when they would just have stupid characters like that said random things (laughs) um but I, I haven't really prepared for that question. I'm going to go home now. I'm like, I wish I'd said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so on the flip side of that, then, are there common flaws that you anything sort of trappings you, that you've noticed in terms of characters that maybe could have been good but have not quite got there or just lacked that extra spark, just in terms of something that might serve as advice to someone who is developing a character. Um. What characters I've tried to create in general, more, more than anything, are the sort of common flaws, you know, things that don't quite lend authenticity to a character or, or drawbacks that are common mistakes that people make in performing or writing. I or... suppose I, I, maybe it's too broad of a, of a question, um, question in terms of. I think I think characters that are feel a bit dead, mm-hmm. possibly who haven't had. Um, had that work and research put into it but the development side of it I would just say do everything that we've been talking about which is think of them as a real person ask questions as you would um someone who you have around for dinner you know unless Mm -hmm. you're totally self-absorbed like you know you would be asking them where do they come from where did they grow up like you have with me you know um I think also, if a character doesn't feel right, I would just leave it alone. Yeah. I wouldn't pursue it too much. Mm. It's almost like we're trying different hats on for sizes half the time. And if something is resisting being going anywhere, it's probably wise just to drop it and leave it alone for a while and perhaps come back to a character. I mean, it depends what you're doing. If you're doing a comedy character for the stage, um, I... I wouldn't move too far from your own experience. I, it's a version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there's a, a character called Samantha Mann, who is a, a very intelligent young man who dresses up as an agony aunt. And um, his little films that he makes, which are a minute long, it's called Box of Issues. And he, he's just like this sort of dithery older woman. Um, Miss Samantha Mann and, and just something very attractive about this character and uh, very outspoken but in a very polite way mm. uh, like an older sort of uh, and I really love that character I, I watch every little film and he makes one once a week or she does and it's a, it's basically you know someone sending in a, a random question of uh, like oh my cat stares at me too long 
um, what should I do? (laughs) 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 It's a very important um, sort of serious questions. Yeah. But... um, it's, I like. I think I really. I really like comedy, yeah. and I think the older I'm getting, the more I see it as a necessary thing yeah, for the too. world, and just just to create just to create laughter is a really important thing. But um, I think just I always think start. Don't go too far from yourself if you're crea- mm. creating a character. Yeah, and if you know, because it's such a mad thing to do if you think about it. Even if you're creating, uh, if you're starting out, I wouldn't even choose to do a different gender. Yeah. I would, I, I think, I think that could be, you know, another issue that perhaps you've got going on that you need to think about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> yeah I guess, it, I mean, I guess it's no different to when, whenever sort of students ask about finding their own visual creative language I always you know I always say it's already it's there it's just a matter of you understanding yeah. you and, and and pulling that stuff out and making yeah. sense of it because no one can do you like that you've got this very every single one of us has got a unique beautiful journey and that's it and got it is a case of harnessing that and understanding what media that fits in you know so that's right and, and it, I don't think it's any different with characters like you say if you if turn you up to 10 and it's immediately unique yeah that's it and I think just practice and try out reading it out loud spot what you think's working and what you don't and I think and that there is that element of, of hearing what you're doing especially with writing yeah. um, because it, as I've said before it can look perfectly fine on the page until you start reading it out loud and you'll think oh that sentence is really dead or yeah. there's something just not ringing true about this mm-hmm. and you won't know that if you don't put yourself out there and read it to your girlfriend or your mum or whoever your cat you know as long as you hear what you're doing yeah that's the important thing it's not about having a wonderful performance and that's what we were doing in the class it was like you trying to enable you all to hear yourself clearly yeah and and that's it but I just think it's practice and it's reading reading as you say yeah loads of short I just think short stories the best thing novels you know but short stories can just just be as big as novels. Yeah. And um, and they don't take that long to read. And then you can just see what everyone else is yeah. doing and copy them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and detail. I mean, one of the one of the favourite things in an old photos I've seen of Barbara Brown's skirts, the jar of pickled onions in the Tupperware. Yeah. Tool. It's so good, but so subtle as well. And it's just like that observation. Again, well, again it. it's just another huge facet. Well, that's it also. It's sort of half of it. I love pickled onions, but pickled onions to me speak of a of a buffet from the seventies. Yeah. You know, I think my mum and granddad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that, they'd get the jar out, and that would be on display with the piccalilli and the you know and the and, and the block of edam, which was quite you know yeah. cold cuts, and you'd have your buffet and your celery in a pint glass, and it was to me it was very much those signifiers are really important if you're going to do a working class poet what are they going to look like you know they're not going to have any money (laughs) how do they earn their money this was like but asking these questions of your character will reveal ideas for stories Mm. so don't I just don't think don't be afraid of delving into the dark world of of who they are completely yeah especially 
the the sex stuff the you know it's all so there's so much yeah. to write about and the, a lot of fun yeah to do to explore well that's it and also you know if you're not actually enjoying it it's yeah. really going to show yeah completely and also why are you doing it after a while you think oh yeah this, I'm not enjoying this it's like okay we'll do something else your life does not you know depend on this unless you are making money from it your livelihood depends on it but if I've learned anything creativity seems to have this kind of weird it just it just seeks out it's almost like water seeking out cracks or to to kind of find where it needs to go that's a really good analogy actually of it so I I feel that's really strong in my life because I haven't I'm just not a novel. I'm not just a novelist. I'm not just a performer. Oh, and thank God. Well, you I know. You wouldn't have Barbara, though, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like we said earlier, it's an amalgamation of lots of wonderful things coming together. Yeah. Which is really, really powerful. Exactly. So what's um, so what's coming up then? Where can people where can people see Barbara? Well, the show is debuting in Brighton Fringe on the first and the second of June at yeah. the Marlborough Theatre, which is very exciting, and. Um, Yes, tickets are selling well for the second night, but the first night, I want, I want everyone to come. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's fine. And then it's going to be at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern on the 21st of July, mm-hmm. um, earlier on in the evening. It's not, it's just, they've got an hour slot there, which is great, because it's the London debut. Um, but please, yes, if people are going to come, there is a night later on called Beef Mints, which I won't be staying around for, because I think that's a certain... I could be wrong, but I think it's a hairy man with a beard. But mind you, he's not knight. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying you, because I don't know if you're hairy. But um, (laughs) just take all that back. (laughs) um, Yeah, so that's 21st of July at the Vauxhall Tavern in Vauxhall. (laughs) And that's at 7.30. In fact, all the shows are at 7.30. And then it's going to hopefully tour later on in the year. But um, yeah, that's great. And that's, that's... that's the dates for the yeah. new show. Very exciting. I can't oh, yeah, it's called Who Do You Think You Are? Brilliant. Question mark, Barbara Brown skirt, full stop. <laughs> that Excellent. is the title. Brilliant. I'll share all that with the listeners. I'm, I definitely need to come and see you. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, no, please do. Please yeah. come oh, no, to... No, I will. Um, I will. Well, come to, come to all three shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And uh, where, where can, where's the best place for people keep to uh, keep up? with your work um, I think on Twitter or Facebook really or I've got a website um, www.karenmcleod.co.uk but I'm very fa- um, Facebook's really good and Twitter I think yeah. those are the two main I always things I share all the links in the show notes so people yeah. want to check everything out yeah excellent cool. and, and, and the um, sorry I didn't jump in no no <laughs> did I need to give you my handles uh, I'll, I'll stick with all the show notes on people, if people want to look yeah. on SoundCloud and, I'm not on Instagram because I can't do it all no Even I, I think you've, you've found the best platforms looking at what, how you're using it yeah. For it yeah oh good oh good because you never know you think oh we should be on everything but nah. to tell you the truth it's you know poor Minnie she's got to do it anyway I don't know what I'm talking about is if I'm so worn out yeah <laughs> phew brilliant and then the so last question I always ask every guest this. It's a little bit of an on-the-spot question. Call it Shark in the Tank. 
and it's uh, it's basically asks for a love and a hate or a positive, positive and a negative, loosely within the creative industries. But it's a wide open, very lateral question. Right. <laughs> Let me get get it. See, this is what I mean. You asked me something literal. I'm taking it literal. Literally. <laughs> Literal's fine. It can be whatever. Something you make I love it. and hate in the art world. Yeah. Well, even just within creativity, it's just yeah. It could within be. It could be something that's upsetting this morning. It could be like a lifelong bugbear. It's it's really just a, it's right. just a very experimental question, which is why I don't prepare. I hate. It's <laughs> easy to say because I think about it a lot. I dislike. I should say people who make out uh, that that this is probably born more Barbara than me um, <laughs> people who really big themselves up all the time and don't admit that there's any other elements to creativity that could make you feel vulnerable or lost mm. or like a failure so it's like they present the world and I'm thinking more certain authors than necessarily artists, um, but they will they will present a a, a, a veneer of mm. success that makes it makes other people feel bad about themselves. Mm-hmm. That's what I don't like. That's an ugly side, I think, to art and creativity. Um, it's the success side and how yeah. it it's not it's not a true portrayal of yeah. the process of making art, and we all know that but people still persist in wanting to be above other people and the hierarchy mm-hmm. system pisses me off. Yeah. Um, and that's also people who get on stage straight away and say, I've published 15 novels. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that because I think they'll know who they are. <laughs> but, um, it's No, it just it's like, it's like a sort of put-down without... You know, we know what that means. Yeah, I agree. What I love about the art world is something I'm recently finding are if you show a little bit of support to someone else, they, they, it's almost like they bite your hand off, but they're so overwhelmed, they start supporting you back really quickly mm-hmm. and it feels like a big love orgy I love it yeah. <laughs> right, on board, right on board with that I'm very open yeah. with it. Like, if I see something I like I don't just like it I, I comment and I say why yeah. I like it and I'm quite strong in supporting that because it does it. we all need that as exactly. you just said we all, we've all got the weaknesses and we're all on this big crazy journey where we don't know where it's going so that's right it's crucial and yeah. you often can feel like you're just on your own but I think that's why social media is 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 the the flip that coin of what I've just said, you've got the sort of shiny outward sort of show off side to it, and then you've got the love of the um, other side that is just like you know, and I, in a funny way, you often wish that if, obviously people who get to the top of their game don't they do the love in different ways, and I know there's still a lot of people who are good at promoting it, but. I, that's what's amazed me is, is that you can actually create quite good links with people, and then they'll start help. They'll st- we're all sort of helping each other mm-hmm. as we should anyway. Yeah, completely. But um, but yeah, I'm just I'm all for sharing the process of it so that other artists and other people trying to do it can feel that it's not just them. Yeah. You know, and that's what I've been trying to. I promised the Arts Council I would do it. In yeah. a blog, in my blog, and I have been. It's it's quite difficult to be really 
honest when things aren't going well and you have to leave it for a couple of weeks okay. to be able to sort of publish that but yeah that's yeah that's what I think is really important yeah. and I spread the love yeah I'd say completely <laughs> <laughs> and, and lastly the big question do we do I get the honour of a reading from from Barbara oh to, to close the show <laughs> well I think she'll have to we'll have to wait for her to come in won't we <laughs> yeah. in the room but hold on Yes, I think she's here. I'm going to... Oh right. Okay. My name is Barbara Brownskirt, poet of the South London people. Today I have written 22 volumes of poetry and the publishers are still ignoring me, but not for long. I'm going to read you a religious poem from volume 11, Furry Purses. In the beginning, there was the word, and it was Judy. Judy, 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 Dench. Ten hours I stood there. You walked past me on the red carpet. I was on the pavement, not red but grey. I watched you go by with yet another sigh. Judy, 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 Dench. Your smile and crinkly, twinkly eyes, your little hairstyle, high on your head, sexy grandma. To me, you are wife material. Denchy, 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 Judy. How you make me want to clenchy, and I would like to travel my hand over your wobbly belly to cup the young denchy, thirsty, drenchy, a cup full of dench, quenched, time all spent. Judy, 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 dench. Wonderful, thank you. You nearly made me laugh, then. <laughs> that's made my, my week. That's so good. Believe me, that will be in your mind now so for a while. <laughs> it's like oh, hypnosis. God. Well, I hope that serves as a teaser and you all go and uh, see Barbara's <laughs> performance, because that's wonderful. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time, Karen. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And Barbara has too. Thank you so much to Karen McLeod for taking the time to come and talk to me. And what did you make of that exclusive reading from Barbara Brownsker of Judy? Yes, Judy, Judy. I loved it. It really made me laugh. I was dying on that sofa opposite her. And um, it just felt like a real intimate moment that makes this show so worth doing. So go and check out Karen's work. She runs awesome creative writing courses in Crystal Palace in South East London. It's brilliant. Uh, I loved the course, I learned a lot and I'm actually in the process of writing a fiction novel for better or worse, I'm at least giving it a go she gave me great confidence so I do recommend her courses, check out her work go and have a look at links in the, in the show notes you'll find where you can find her shows coming up with Barbara Brownskirt um, 
there's going to be one in a few days' time from me dropping this show, actually. So go and have a look and do go and see her. She's absolutely wonderful. Uh, we've got great guests coming up very soon. We've had great guests. Thanks again, Lucy Rogers, Stephen Bliss, David Cohen, Sandra Diekman, recent guests. Andy Council last week was absolutely wonderful. Uh, and we've got great stuff coming up. We've got BuzzFeed illustrator Rebecca Hendon coming up soon. Um, who else have we got? Oh, I've gone blank. We've got loads. We've got... Craig Black who came to see me last week, Glasgow-born designer, doing some wonderful typographic work. Got Kim Vowsden coming up on a typographic special. It's all going on, so keep tuned for that. Off to Dublin. Uh, off to Dublin. Uh, by the time this show's dropped, actually, I'll have been and talked to Annie Atkins, who was production designer on the Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, what else has she been on? Penny Dreadful, if anybody saw that series. Absolutely wonderful stuff. And Bridge of Spies, working with the likes of Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg. So that's a big, big hitter, and that's coming up thanks to the kindness of Annie Atkins. So cheers for listening, guys. The feedback's awesome. The numbers are growing all the time. Please go and drop us a review if you like the show on iTunes. Very, very valuable. I think we're up to eight at the minute. It'd be nice to see that get to the 10 mark. Give us some real credibility. So it only takes a few seconds, and it's a real big help. So please do that. Uh, Nice one. Cheers for listening. As ever, loads coming up, loads been and gone. Um, check the archive, soundcloud.com forward slash arrest all the mix. Sound, you know, subscribe on iTunes. Cheers.